worldwide broadcast of the Ted Dawson Grower Show. Bring you the latest world news and health research. Today I'm running solo, so we're going to kind of have a fireside chat. And uh, Coach Dabemeyer really sent me some really good information this morning. I want to read you some of this, and I'm going to kind of go over some line item points that he made because what I've learned over the years is that when people like Coach Dabemeyer write things, it's because he's got a pulse on what's really going on in the real world where he's gotten to a point where he's so hacked off that he doesn't know what to do as far as how in the world to get people to pay attention to what he's trying to say. You know, years ago, he had a nighttime comedian on a big show, I'd say something about him and actually do a parody about Coach Dabemeyer. It's like on NBC or CBS, and Coach Dabemeyer got really slammed. And there was no reason to get slammed because he hadn't done anything wrong because it was a secular show that was slamming him because you know Coach is a Christian. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. I called Coach up, and I'm talking to him, and he goes, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, don't worry about it. I said, you know how much free advertising you just got? I said, you just were on like you know NBC or CBS or whatever the show was. And I said, and millions of people were watching it who had never heard of you before. And I said, this guy just made a horrible mistake. From a marketing standpoint, you just staged a coup. And uh, he said, you think so? I said, no, I know so, because I've been around with marketing for a long, long, long time. But uh, I'm going to quote what he's saying on the name of the article. And you guys just stay with, you know, what I'm doing here. But, you know, the name of the article is, gosh, he did it. Boy, I can't say, believe he did it, but he did it. It's my own damn fault. Now, I won't say that word again, but that's the name of the article. Just to prove that to you, here's the iPad. You can see it. And so, and I, and I wanted to share this with you because he made so many key points here that I thought, you know what? This is like a show unto itself. And, and here's what he says. Some people say there's a woman to blame, but I know it's my own fault, Jimmy Buffett, Margaret Ritaville. It's, it's always somebody else's fault. Have you noticed that here in America? It's the refs. It's the government. It's the schools. It's the church. It's my pastor. It's President Biden. Now, I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to change some of these words in here real quick to make it sound more like me. But this is Coach Dabemeyer's article. I'm going to post this, and I'm giving him a huge – I guess I'm doing an infomercial for Coach Dabemeyer today because I love this guy. Just for a second, let me tell you what happened. Years ago, we were, in, uh, we were, in, we were up in uh, D.C., and we were both speakers at a conference up there. It, was, it, was a, it wasn't a real big conference. It probably had about 1,000 people there. We were both asked to speak, and I listened to Coach Dabemeyer speak, and he was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And so then I, I did my part of, my, of the seminar, and then I remember the next day we were walking in the halls of Congress, and it was like the entire halls of Congress was filled with either guys that were gay or trannies. I mean, we didn't see any straight guys. Finally, I looked at Coach, and I said, you know, Coach, uh, what's the deal here? And he goes, you know, Ted, everybody seems to be gay here. <laughs> we looked at each other, and I said, wow, I had heard this was a problem, but, you know, you know it's, I didn't know it was this bad. Now, for those of you who like gays and like transgenders and, you know, like that type of behavioral pattern, that's probably going to be offensive to you. And so at that point, if you feel offended at this point, I highly suggest, too, that you turn this show off and not watch the rest of this. It's going to get really, really, really offensive right now. And so I got a kick out of Coach Dallemeyer. We became really good friends as many years ago, and uh, he's one of those guys. Let me ask you a question. How many friends do you have? Let's say you're down in Mexico. Years ago, I was in Mexico, and we were on a Christian businessmen's retreat. And a lot of so some of the guys wanted to rent a van and go to the pyramids down there close to Cancun. Now, I didn't really want to drive a van. I didn't want to really rent a van. I don't want to do any of that stuff on Mexican roads where you have these Mexican guys like to arrest you and hold you in jail for ransom. And I remember I'm driving this van 
and there's like six more people in there and I'm doing the speed limit. I mean, strictly the speed limit. For those of you who have ever ridden with me, to me, I kind of consider speed limits to be kind of a suggestion. Sorry, but I do. But I'm careful. I'm very safe. And so I'm driving like 55 miles an hour on these backcountry roads going to the pyramids. And one of the ladies in the car with us, he, she starts yelling at me, why won't you drive faster? And I said, well, if you'd like, it was a Volkswagen van. I said, if you'd like, you'd like, I'd like to, you'd like to drive. Because if I get locked up in a Mexican jail for speeding, you know, I only have a few people that I could call. Now, let me ask you a question. Who would you call if you got locked up in a Mexican jail that you knew would come get you? Coach Dalvin Meyer is one of those guys for me. And then, then to make that story, to end that story for you, she says that she wants to drive so she can go faster. Did you not? Now, this is the middle of summertime. It's, it's blistering hot. And this Volkswagen van or whatever it was had an air conditioner in it. So we're pretty much riding around in comfort. And so she jumps in the driver's seat. I told her, I said, go ahead and drive as fast as you want. I'll sit here and watch. She jumps in, goes to first, to second, to reverse. I kid you not, dumps the clutch in reverse. The whole thing skids, almost brewed the plant transmission out, and she threw the belt for the air conditioner. So for the rest of the day, we got to sit there in the stifling heat, you know, driving around to this van. And then she got so upset, she stops the van and starts crying, and I had to take it over again and drive again. So that was an interesting vacation. But the question is, who would you call if you got locked up in a Mexican jail? How many people do you know that you have that you could do that with? So here's what he's going to say here in this, this article. He goes, you know, it, look in the mirror. There's no place else to look but to the mirror. Was it Michael Jackson's song and saying, I'm starting with the man of the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Personal responsibility is a tough pill to swallow. It is so much more comforting to blame someone else for the mess that we've made of this situation. If the church is bad or the family is bad or the government is bad or the schools are bad, life is about choices, some good, some bad. But at the end of the day, we are all responsible for the choices we make. Until you accept the fact that it's your own fault, nothing will ever change. Sorry, Flip Wilson, the devil didn't make you do it. Now, <laughs> I'm going to say something here real quick. I've had people say to me before, you know, I feel like I got a good angel on this shoulder and I got a bad angel on this shoulder. And they're both whispering my ears at the same time. Do the wrong thing. Do the right thing. The reality is, is it's still freedom of will. When I did Angel Wars last year, got to watch it. It's like a seven part series. It's about three and a half hours long. It's long. But we got to condense down to one show. So if you're on a long trip or whatever, you're hanging around the house and you don't want to waste time watching Netflix or another movie that you've seen for the last thousand times. Go ahead and turn the Angel Wars on. And what I talk about is the pre-Adamic race and what happened with Lucifer in the Garden of Eden and all the rest of the stuff and how it was Eve's choice to do what she wanted to do because she wanted to be like God. Now, the sad part about it is, you know, Eve sinned against God, and then basically Adam went along with her sin, and we have ourselves in the situation that we're in right now. But isn't that always what other people want to tell you is that, hey, look, it's Eve's fault or it's Adam's fault, but I have nothing to do with any of this stuff? You know, I remember in college— you know, at first, you know, you start taking all these classes and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is fun. Well, then all of a sudden you don't study for the midterm or you don't get the paper done. And all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. You know, I don't understand this. The papers do. I have a test tomorrow. I'm not ready for it. So then you do an all nighter. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've done some all nighters in college. They never go well. You get up in the morning, you'd, you'd go to, you'd go to, because you, you pretty much pass out by like 7 o'clock. You're exhausted. Then you get up and get out of bed if you were in bed by doing the all-nighters trying to study. And you go to class, 
you're about to fall asleep during the exam. I remember I was taking a, a physiology class one time, and I did an all-nighter for it. And, of course, I ended up getting a C in the class because I crashed the final. I'm like myself, what the heck? So then I began to realize that, that was my fault that I had done that, that I wasn't prepared. So what I started doing, instead of doing an all-nighter, I started studying for the final four or five weeks before the final. And so when the final got there, all I had to do was review my notes for a couple hours and go take the final. And when I did that, I was scored very, very well on the final. I remember one time I was praying before a final. It was in the MBA program. I think it was macroeconomics. And I come, I come you know, gallivanting in the, in the classroom. Everybody's, you can tell they've been all doing all-nighters. They're all ragged out, bags under their eyes, you know, circles under their eyes, sucking down a cup of coffee, head down on the desk, absolutely horrible. I walk in smiling. I said, hey, guys, how y'all doing today? And they look at me like, what's wrong with you? We have a final. Why are you not exhausted? And I said, hey, I, I, was, I was ready for this final two weeks ago. I'm good. And it was a two-hour final. I took it in 35 minutes, pretty much got 100 on it. And I got up and walked out of the classroom. And some of my friends said to me later, they said, what happened? Did you flag the final? Flag means get an F. Did you do bad on it? I said, no, I just knew all the answers. And I said, if you learn to study and prepare, you don't have to deal with this. You don't have to deal with being ragged out. Just do your work when you know you need to do it and just stay prepped up. Look, that's what Coach Dabemeyer is saying. He says, do your own thing and take care of your own house. Here's Coach Dabemeyer. Now, if you want to get mad at him, go ahead. It's, this, is, this, is, uh, this is on you and him. I'm just kind of reading this article to you today. No one made you overeat. Just, just saying his first thing. Nobody made you eat 1,000 or 2,000 or 4,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 calories at a meal, if that's even possible. I have a friend of mine, a nice guy too, and uh, he's a chiropractor. He had to retire because of health issues, and the health issues were brought around by his obesity. He weighed about 500 pounds. I kid you not. And the guy was brilliant, but he always over a, he would literally go have two large pizzas and like a gallon of soda for lunch. And I'm, I told him one day, I said, dude, you know, control your, and he couldn't, he couldn't control himself on what he was eating. And finally his hips and his joints got so bad that he had to retire at a pretty young age. I think he was like in his late forties, early fifties. And he was one of the best chiropractors I've ever used. And he was absolutely brilliant, spoke different languages. I mean, the guy was amazing. And, uh, but he had to retire because of what he did. No one made you get married. <laughs> uh, if you've got a marriage, that's a problem. You know, I was married once before Sharon. The marriage was a problem. Nobody made me do it. And we ended up getting divorced after three years. It was a mess. But you know what I've learned since then is this. Zig Ziglar had a really good quote. You know, if you fall in love with somebody and you get married, if you keep doing what you did to fall in love, invariably you'll fall back in love again. One of the biggest problems that I see in marriages are people think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Problem is, it's probably artificial turf. There's probably nothing real about it. And so what you do is you have a beautiful wife or a great husband, and you start looking elsewhere and start communicating with them on Facebook Instagram or whatever you do. And pretty soon, you know, you start to realize that, you know, Facebook is a giant dating app and you can call people up and you can talk to them from your past and you can build a rapport and build a relationship. Here's what I've learned a long time ago with all of that. If you're married or if you're dating somebody and you're serious, turn off the apps, turn off the Facebook, turn off all that stuff. Spend time with that person that you're in love with. If it's your wife, keep doing what you did to fall in love. And guess what happens? 
you'll fall in love again. That happens all the time. And Zig said that. Do what you did when you were courting her from the very beginning and never stop doing that, and you will always stay in love. The, the foundation parts of, 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 of a marriage and a relationship are trust, respect, and reciprocity. Think about that for a second. If you don't trust your spouse because they're on Facebook, if you don't trust their spouse because you hear them talking to somebody else on the telephone, if you don't trust your spouse because they have all these times where they just disappear and you have no idea where they are and they won't give you an answer or tell you an answer, they tell you to leave them alone, that trust begins to break down. If you know they're not doing what they're supposed to, they're not taking care of themselves, they're not going to go to work on a regular basis, you're going to lose respect. And then if you're trying to do everything for them and they do nothing for you, it's the reciprocity. You lose all of that. You lose the trust, the respect, and the reciprocity, which are the pillars, the foundational stones of love. Then it's gone. Then you don't want to be with your spouse anymore. Then that grass, that artificial turf starts looking pretty good on the other side of the fence. That's not where you want to go. You have to communicate. Now, I'm not talking about screaming and yelling and carrying on. That's not communication. That's screaming and yelling and carrying on. Don't do that. Ask questions. Let's do this. Let's do that. Always do things with your, with your spouse or your significant other or your girlfriend or boyfriend. Stay with them as much as you possibly can. I know we've got jobs, and I know we've got responsibilities, but you've got to work those people into those jobs and responsibilities so you can continue to grow together and stay together. Really, really important. That's how Sharon and I were married for so many years. We always did everything together, and I absolutely love that. No one made you send your kids to government schools. That's a real one hit you close up, doesn't it? You could have homeschooled them. If you had the money, you could have hired a tutor. But you could have homeschooled pretty much for free. No one had to tell you to send those children to a government indoctrination center. No one had to tell you to have their counselor as a transgender. No one had to tell you that basically their teacher could be a hardcore liberal lesbian. She could have been a Butch Dyke lesbian on top of being a hardcore liberal lesbian. And you got to be dealing with that with your kids being indoctrinated by these people's values and viewpoints and suddenly your kid comes home and your kid's got all these weird ideas. I've got a good friend of mine. Uh, he lives down in Fort Lauderdale. His name's Steve. I'm gonna give you his last name. He had a son and his son and him had a really close relationship. It was a great relationship. So he sent his son to Florida State University and the son became liberalized. And by the time he got his four-year useless degree, basically Steve paid for, the kid came home unbelievably angry all of the time. And when the kid was angry all the time, it caused a massive conflict between Steve and the kid, even though Steve had paid for the college education. Finally, it got to the point where the kid said to Steve, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Even though you're my father, I want nothing to do with you. I'd rather hang out with my liberal friends. And he did. And Steve hasn't spoken to him in years. Now, Steve is very wealthy. Now, Steve could give this kid a huge inheritance, but Steve has written him completely out of the will because of the kid's attitude. See, be very careful where you send your children. If you have an opportunity, now here in Florida, We've got voucher systems. So you can actually take a child out of the public school system and put them in the parochial school system and use your tax dollars to pay for the tuition. Probably shouldn't have said that. I probably just brought other million people into Florida by saying that. But you can actually do that here. Especially in Polk County, it's a big deal. People got their kids out of these doggone systems. They put them in these parochial schools. No one made you take the COVID shot. Now, I hear, I hear the bristles right now. I can feel the bristles. You had to take it because of your job. Okay. You had to take it because your spouse wanted you to take it. Okay. You had to take it because you wanted to visit your mom or your dad in the nursing home or in the hospital, and they wouldn't let you into the hospital or the nursing home unless you took the shot. Okay. Did anybody put a pistol to your head? I'm just asking. Did anybody 
tie you down to a gurney and inject you? Or do you sign a waiver? Listen to me. You know, look at the spike protein survival kit. Look at all what you can do in order to stop the reproduction using, you know, proteolytic enzymes of the shot in your system. Do everything you possibly can, but realize you took the shot. And so if you can do stuff now to try to fix some of the damage that may or may not have been caused, if you didn't get a placebo, I'll pray that you all got placebos, then do it. No one made you buy what you could not afford. No one told you to go out and buy that new Mercedes or that used car for way more than it was worth or, you know, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or whatever the heck you bought. No one told you to go buy, you know, the loaded out Tahoe or the Silverado pickup truck with the diesel engine option that cost you $90,000 and you've got a $1,500 a month payment now. No one told you to do that. And now the vast majority of you, I'm sure, who did all that, you were thinking about your finances and you could afford it, and you decided to go ahead and get what you wanted because, you know, it is a nice vehicle, brand new Silverado. But the reality is, is that you've got to be careful with your finances. Don't allow yourself to live on credit cards. Don't allow yourself to justify what you do and what you buy because it's what I want. Well, I would really like to have a 600-foot yacht. I really would. It'd be nice. But I don't want the maintenance on it. I don't want the upkeep on it. And I certainly, right now, would not be able to buy a 600-foot yacht. But it'd be nice. But the problem is is that you know, we don't have to buy what we like because we have to think about our finances, that we have a payment coming in every month. Be very careful with your finances. No one made you wear a mask. Austin and I have talked about this so many times. Now, some people may throw you out of the school or throw you out of the restaurant or throw you out of basically Disney World or wherever you were wearing a mask. I hope you didn't go to Disney. But the reality is, is that you didn't have to go there to start with. You could have stayed at home and not wear a mask. You know, even when Austin was in the hospital and he had broken his left, left, left thumb, he had fallen on ice up in North Carolina. We were in there, and we refused to put the mask on in the waiting area. They already removed his soft cast, and they were going to put another, a real hard cast on him. And the girl who was at the desk had gotten a little bit of authority, and she pretty much had the power to implement it by calling security. See, that's, you know there's a difference between authority and power, right? If she had the, the, the authority, but she couldn't implement it and do anything like call security, we had just sat there. She couldn't have physically picked us up and hauled us off. But because she called security on us, she told us we had to go sit in the hallway. Now, here's Austin with his cast removed with a broken hand, sitting up in the air like this, holding his hand up so he wouldn't hit something with it, excruciating pain if he'd gotten it hit. And we're in the hallway with people running back and forth with stretchers, and we're sitting there with no mask on. And, and some of the people in the hospital weren't wearing masks. And finally, this generalized, the supervisor of the department came running out there and says, what are you guys doing? He says, well, we were thrown out of the waiting room. And so I brought a couple of chairs out here to sit in. And she goes, What's wrong with his hand? I said, it's broken. Why do you have a cast on? Because you guys took it off. Oh, oh. She immediately took us in, got a cast put on it, and we were out of the hospital literally within 30 minutes. It's probably been a four-hour wait because she had enough sense to know that we weren't going to put that mask on. And you think, well, I can't believe you were that noncompliant. You were wearing the mask. Wait a stop, stop. I'm not wearing a mask to protect somebody else. It doesn't work that way. I can't even wear a mask to protect myself. It doesn't work that way. Now, if I'm wearing a double can respirator, I'm wearing that with a micro filter in it for viral loads. Okay, I'll walk around looking like Darth Vader, but I could have done that. I doubt that would have worked. I remember one time Austin actually went into Publix wearing one of those. He and Chase Deadman walked into Publix and basically had double can respirator masks on. And I laughed and took a video of it. And the irony, here's the irony. 
They're walking around public shopping in the middle of the COVID wearing a double can of respirator mask and no one said anything to them. This is the irony. I've got a video of it. No one said to them, what the heck is wrong with you two? It was normal as far as everybody else was concerned. In fact, some people asked them, where did you get the double can respirator? You know, we want one of those. And, I'm, and, you know, and it was funny because Chase actually had a little night vision camera on top of his God, you know, thing. And they were like videotaping all of this stuff. And I thought to myself, what a strange world we live in that this, this is like this. They were doing it more of a parody. No one made you follow the doctor's orders. Mr. Jones, you have three weeks to live if you don't start the chemotherapy radiation immediately. Mr. Jones, you have six months to live if you don't start these medications. Mr. Jones, I'm going to write you out nine different prescriptions because I need some new golf clubs anyhow, and uh, you need to take all of these drugs. Uh, Mr. Jones, you're going to die in a week. Wait a minute. Number one, let me tell you about Mr. Jones, and let me tell you something about this doctor. Mr. Jones, if he's listening to this, is not following through with his mental ability with whatever's left of it after all the drugs. And the doctor's not God. What I always suggest that you do is when you find something that you don't want to do or someone gives you some advice, like you're going to die in 90 days or not die in six weeks, why don't you get a second opinion? You know, sometimes second opinions are, you know, worth your life. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, I've talked to so many people that have had health problems and they have elevated cholesterol levels. The cholesterol has spiked up to 220, right, which is not even high, by the way. It used to, be, used to be really kind of normal standards. And suddenly the doctor says, if you don't go on statin drugs, you're going to die. And the guy goes, okay, okay, okay. I don't want to die. Give me the statin drugs. Statin drugs are the most overprescribed, useless medicine that cause so much damage. I think what is statistic? If you go on statin drugs for 37 years, you live like three days longer. You have all kinds of health problems, including skeletal muscle necrosis. You start having aches and pains in your skeletal muscles because it starts digesting them and eating them and killing them. They die. Then they get into the bloodstream, and then they mess up the kidneys. And when and what it happens with all that, once they get into the kidneys, then you start having kidney failure, and all of a sudden your memory goes to mush because you're on a statin drug. Yeah, it does all that. And, and not, now all of a sudden you're impotent because you're on a statin drug, because your cholesterol drops so low. Remember, when your cholesterol drops under 200, all disease rates go up, including cancer, and you can't make the hormones you need. Your testosterone falls through the floor. All of these things happen with statin drugs. The side effects of statin drugs are so numerous, it would take the rest of the show to talk about that. I wrote a book years ago, it was called Breakthrough Health, and I listed the top 10 drugs never to use. In fact, we still have a few copies of that available at the office. And what was interesting about this is, the number one drug I told you never to go on and suggested that you never go on are statin drugs. You'd be better to do something like our magnesium brain food. This, by the way, is a shameless plug commercial right now. Magnesium brain food is on sale right now at the office. Now, this could be a green show, so it'll be played forever. But I take this magnesium brain food every single day. And what it does, it really helps you get rid of brain fog, et cetera, et cetera. It makes me feel really good, too. It keeps me focused really well. It's like, a, it's like a mind focus. It really is amazing. Here we go. Next, next one from Bob Meyer. No one made you sit down and shut up. Well, that's not true. That one, I'm sorry, Coach. I got to disagree with you that. Some of the people who went to January the 6th, the protest, were made to sit down and shut up and put in prison for two years now with no bail, and they're still sitting in prison. Now, they may be talking in prison, in confinement, but ain't nobody listening. You know, sometimes it's like that Kenny Rogers song that we covered the other day, The Gambler. Sometimes you got to know when to hold them. 
Sometimes you got to know when to sit down and sometimes you got to just know not to go. And sometimes you got to know when to run. I remember Austin and I were scheduled to go to January the 6th, had the hotels lined up, had the flight lined up. I was actually flying my plane up there and I was going to have a pilot go with me who was used to, to, to DC airspace back when I used to own an airplane. And, and what ended up happening is I had it all lined up. And then another, another talk show host told me, you're too high profile. You know, you say, well, you guys can't be that big. Let me tell you a funny story. Here a while back, someone called a dog catcher in our neighborhood. It's a funny story. And some dogs were running around loose. And so I went and talked to the dog catcher. And I, I talked to him, had a rapport with him. He starts talking to me. He goes, you're Ted Brower. My wife watches your show every day. The sheriff. We have millions of listeners. And so we have a big show. So, you know, you know I'm not going to tell you to sit down and shut up. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm going to do the best I possibly can to tell you the truth. The truth is I was told if I went to January the 6th by this other show host that I wasn't coming back, that I was going to be arrested. He'd had intel coming in that he knew things were going to happen up there that were bad. And there was. And that's why over a thousand people ended up getting arrested. They had huge billboards in Tampa with 1-800 numbers about January the 6th. If you know somebody who was there, call this 1-800 number. It was a knockout hotline, I guess is what it was. People got arrested. People are still being arrested years later for that. I'll get off that topic. That'd be the whole show. No one made you believe things that are not true. Now, this is an interesting one here. I like this one a lot because the thing about it is this goes back to the educational system. When you're put into a theta brainwave system, theta, wing, theta brainwave state, when you're four to nine years of age and you're told that something's a lie, but that's true, you're made to believe that it's true, the lie's the truth. Then when you get older, it's very difficult to get that out of your system. You're going to always believe the lie because you were programmed for that. Because from the ages of four to nine, you don't have a filter. And whatever the authority, who is the teacher now, tells you is true, you listen. This is how the pedophiles do what they do with children. They always say you have to do it to them before they're eight years of age, while they're still in a data brainwave state, because you can convince them that it's okay. I know that was a perverse thing to say on a show like this, but that's how they do it. You know, NAMDA, the National American, the North American, you know, Men with Boys Association based out of Ocala, Florida. Unbelievable. I had a federal prosecutor tell me about that organization one time. These people are perverts. And to me, how I look at it, they all need to be arrested and put on the island of Madagascar. And if they have been found to have done what they say they had done, they need to be taken out back and gotten rid of. That's how I feel about those guys. I have no, no, no anything for these people that do stuff like that. No one made you blindly obey the experts unless you were programmed as a child. Remember what Hitler said, give me the youth for one generation and I'll change the country. Stalin basically did the same thing with his communist indoctrination centers. Remember what Hillary Clinton said, that these patriots that we have, these white patriots, these white men that are all wrapped up in, you know, into, the, into what the truth is and the patriot movement, then he'd be put back into detention facilities and indoctrination camps, be made to know the truth. It doesn't work really well unless you use traumatic brain control or you know, trauma-based mind control. Then you can change a person's mind. Because we talked about this the other day, remember, about how fear and pain were such big avoiders. That's the thing, isn't it? Fear and pain. You know, If they make you scared enough or they hurt you enough, they can change your brain. Another, another way you learn is this. You learn through repetition and you learn through emotion. I can ask every one of you this question right now. Where were you when 9-11 hit? Where were you find out that Two planes took down three towers. Oh, yeah, the, don't forget the Solomon Building, number seven, the 50 or 60-story office complex that came down six hours later. That they blamed on all this. One that was imploded, obviously. 
that had the records of the FBI and all the information on Enron, that big giant scam that was run in California, all that information was destroyed. Let's not forget the Solomon Building, Building 7. Look it up. Because a lot of you don't even know Building 7 happened. You haven't been watching the show for that long. You didn't know there was three towers that came down with two planes. Or you don't know that there was a 16-foot hole in circumference that went into the Pentagon with no wing marks and no engines from the, quote, plane that went in there. There wasn't, it wasn't a plane that hit the Pentagon, just to give you a new slash on that, or the smoking hole that was left up there in Pennsylvania from the plane that got crashed, that that smoking hole was there before the plane crashed. Just thought I'd mention that to you, but it wasn't smoking. It was a big indentation in the ground. So all of these things we've been told, so much of what we learned about 9-11 now, 20 years later, we know is a lie. Just thought I'd let you do some research. Loose change and... Questions, 9-11 questions are the two movies you need to watch if you really want to know what happened with 9-11, or at least have an understanding of what they told you wasn't true. No one made you lose your courage. That's true. You could still be standing in jail right now in D.C., I guess, and standing up and shaking your fist and saying, no, you're not taking me down. Remember this. When you're a Christian, when you're a born-again child of the Most High God, God's there for you, and God plus one is always a majority. And I mentioned this on the show a few days ago. I said, what would you do if you died right now or if they killed you? I said, you'd go to heaven. Well, what are you going to do anyhow when you get older, regardless, is you're going to go to heaven? And I said, I'd rather just go out with my boots on, you know, while I'm still mentally acute, because if you're going to get to heaven anyhow, that's the final outcome. I'd rather do it while I understand who I am still on this planet. You think, well, that's a terrible attitude. No, it's not. Would you rather be in a nursing home for six or seven years? I'm asking the question. Or, or would you rather be fully mentally facilitated and know who you are and what you are in Christ and have your boots on protecting your family and go out for a purpose? That'd be my choice. No one made you let the children run the house. Oops. Wow. That's a, that's a strong one, isn't it? A lot of times, and I'm going to say this, both men and women do this. They make the children the head of the household. They make them their idols. You see it with dogs and pets and cats. People make the pets their children, or they make the children their idols, or their pets their idols, and they worship the child, or they worship the pet, or they worship the dog, or they worship the cat, or whatever. The cat becomes the one that runs the house. The dog becomes the one that runs the house. Or the kids run around, you know, in German, you say, ganz wild, real wild, and they never are made to do anything. And they kind of just tell the parents what to do. Invariably, that goes bad for those kids. Invariably, that goes bad for the children. The Bible says train up your children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they're not to part from it. That's the way you do it. You take them to a parochial school. You take them to church every Sunday. You make sure they're listening and they find out who God is at a very, very young age because it says when they're old, they'll not depart. They'll stay with those teachings. They always come back. I'm not going to go any further on that one because that's going to get people mad, even madder than they are right now. No one made you take drugs. I talked about this the other day with psychiatric drugs, have the primarily a placebo effect. I'm not saying that some of them don't do things to the brain because they certainly do, but no one made you take them. No one made you take that cocaine. I'll tell you a story. I'm eight years old. My mom was from Germany. The Germans pretty much all smoked. And so she's smoking, you know, five packs of cigarettes a day. And so, you know, she's our hero because my, my dad and her got divorced because of her drinking because she drank so much and stayed drunk. And there's two types of drunks. Really nice drunks and mean drunks. My mom got drinking. She got pretty mean. Ran dad off. So she'd always ask me and my sister, who was a year older, to light her cigarettes for her. Now, here I am, eight years old, lighting up cigarettes. 
And I, and I, and I think to myself, well, this is pretty cool. I'm, 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 I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm lighting one up. She would give her the lit, lit cigarette. And my sister would give her the lit cigarette. Finally, one day I decided to go into the kitchen, actually in the living room. And she had left, I think it was Salem. She was smoking Salem's. And I remember I took one of her cigarettes with a lighter and I lit it up. And I took a deep draw on that thing and inhaled it. Yeah. I was on the floor coughing and screaming and yelling, thinking I was going to die. But nobody made me do it. I did it on my own. But I got up, put the cigarette out, said, I will never touch that thing again. And I never did. From that point on, whenever she asked me to light up, I, would, I wouldn't do it. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. Another interesting thing, she'd give us coffee for breakfast. Here I am, six, seven years old, drinking coffee. Now, here's the irony of that. I'm pretty hyper. I'm still pretty hyper. If I'd have been in school way back when, I guarantee you they would have told my parents to put me on Ritalin or Adderall to calm me down. Well, there's really nothing wrong with me. I just process information really fast. It didn't get a bunch of vaccines. Didn't do all that. I think I got two, the tuberculosis vaccine and the polio vaccine. Of course, that, that was contaminated with simian 40. And so we have a lot of people now who took those vaccines are coming down with bone and breast cancer and brain cancer. Real problem with that, by the way, is incorporated now into our DNA through epigenetics. But I won't go into that today either. But the irony of this is, you know, I learned very, very quickly that my mom and her cigarette habit wasn't going to have to be my habit or her alcohol problems that she had wasn't going to be my habit. And I said no to these things. Now, when I got older, I'd drink a little bit, but I never really got much into it because I was an athlete. So the crazy part about it is, is that nobody made me do that. And when I was doing it, I knew it was wrong. Now, a lot of people get addicted to this stuff after they start on it, especially nicotine. I can't tell you how many people now, these young kids that run around vaping all the time. And I mean, they, you, they, they disappear. They're working for you and they just disappear. You don't know where they are. And you finally, you find them and they're in the back room vaping. And, and you say, I didn't know you vaped. You know, I, I, I have to do this about once or twice a day. No, they don't. It's like once or twice an hour, they're always running to the bathroom. It's sad because they get to the nicotine very, very young. Let me tell you about nicotine real quick since, we're, since I'm doing this stuff and we're meddling today. Nicotine is a vasoconstrictant. Here's the interesting part about nicotine. Uh, there was a study that was done years ago. They were using a thermograph, which is the same thing they use to determine if a person has breast cancer because it picks up hot spots in the breast. Thermograms, what they call it for the breast cancer. And they had a person's hand and they put it into the thermograph and the hand was completely red with oxygenated blood because the circulation was doing good. The individual took one inhalation off a cigarette, held it for about 30 seconds, exhaled it back out again, put the hand back into the thermogram. The entire the thermograph, the entire hand turned blue for less than a minute from the constriction of the arteries. That's how fast nicotine works. It's one of the worst things you can put into your body. Uh, you see it all the time with women and men who smoke a lot. They start getting really wrinkled up, looking really, really old because it ages you so fast because of oxygen deprivation. And also remember this, cancer cannot live in the presence of oxygen. It's an anaerobic disease. You can't live with oxygen. So when you cut the oxygen back, cut the oxygen back, you massively increase your risk of cancer when you smoke. Just thought I'd mention that, or even when you use nicotine. So it's a really bad drug, and warn your children about it. In fact, let them, let them listen to this show today. No one made you start drinking. Yep, I had a beer, too, when I was young, about eight or nine. And uh, Germans like to drink their beer warm. So I, I think my mom popped the top on a beer and gave it to me when I was eight. And it was a warm beer. I thought it was absolutely awful. So uh, I decided again not to do it. Here's one that's going to just hit a lot of people. No one made you watch porn. Yeah, Coach Dalamai, you're going on that one pretty strong. Porn rewires the brain, especially when you start doing it when you're young. You get addicted to it. It grooves the brain. It makes you want to do that kind of stuff all the time. Be careful with your children. 
This isn't Playboy magazine we're talking about here from the 50s and the 60s. This is some seriously sick stuff on the Internet now. Make sure those children, if they have an iPhone, that you have a filter on it so they can't look at this stuff. And make sure you pick their friends very, very carefully so you don't think their friends are going to be looking at this stuff. This could mess up a kid really, really fast. I'll stop there. No one may let your no one let you make your children be educated by non-believing teachers. Already covered that one. No one made you lie. Boy, that's the truth, isn't it? I was so I was just telling you this funny story about the dog catcher in the neighborhood. The irony here is the dog catcher was called by a man whose dogs run around the neighborhood. And so I was down there talking to the dog catcher and and I looked at the guy who was basically calling the dog catcher and I said, you know, I'm not gonna use his name. I said you have your dogs running around the neighborhood all the time. You're calling a dog catcher on somebody else. I don't have my dogs running around the neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. He's all mad. So he, he stomps off. And the guy beside me is another neighbor. He told the cop, he goes, yeah, he does. The dog runs around all the time. I had to warn him not to let the dog attack my dog. And so nobody made you lie. No one has to lie. You know, here's what I always tell people. I'll never lie to you, but I may not answer the question. I don't want to because there's no point. It's like called the Fifth Amendment, I guess. No sense of self-incrimination. Don't allow yourself to get into a pattern of lying. There was a guy who used to work at a motorcycle shop in town. His nickname was The Liar. I, I kid you not. This guy would lie about everything. He'd tell you, if you talk to him about albino racehorses out of the southern tip of Tiberia, he would start telling you about the albino racehorses that he worked with in Tiberia. Just total lies. Just would just make stuff up and just lie about them bad behavior pattern to get into. Most children, when they start doing that sometimes at a young age, start lying about stuff, they grow out of it. Some people don't. They just continue to lie all the days of your life. Here, I like this one. No one made you believe Dr. Fauci or Mitch McConnell or Pelosi. I don't know what's wrong with liberals. I just don't know why they believe these guys. No one made you identify Bruce Jenner as a woman. <laughs> First of all, Bruce Jenner is a man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't identify him as a woman. Uh, he's, you know, you know, it's funny. It's like that one person in Biden's administration, I forgot her name, who's a transgender. You know, she's an ugly guy, but man, is she an ugly woman. <laughs> she's an ugly, ugly woman. And, and, I, and I just sit back and I watch these people with these mental disorders who basically have this gender dysmorphia, which used to be listed basically as a gender, you know, as, as a mental disorder. And they want you to believe they're a man or a woman and they're not. Uh, I feel sorry for them. I really do, because a lot of them are messed up with hormones during, you know, fetal development. And so I feel bad for that. But we covered that a lot on the show. I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want to go any further on that. No one made you stop judging right from wrong. Who told you that everything's just another shade of gray? Right is right and wrong is wrong. Always has been. You're married. You're married. You don't run around on your wife or your husband. Don't do that. It's wrong. Not, not something that's okay. You know, if you're going to be at work, Work for the person as if, you know, you respect them. Don't get on your cell phone every five minutes and take an hour a day on the cell phone and build it for them, build it to the boss. Why would you do that? The other day I had a, a kid helping around the house. And every time I turned around, they were on the cell phone. And finally I said, what are you doing? I said, if you want to be on the cell phone, just clock out, go get on your cell phone, stay on it the rest of the day. I don't care. But if you're going to work, you're going to have to work. You know, you can't do wrong and think everybody thinks it's right this kid was funny and it, it was about 21 22 years old i remember they said you know well i was in the military and i said well how'd that work out for you 
well, I'm out now. I said, I bet you they discharged you, didn't they? He said, well, they didn't renew my contract. I said, they discharged you. I said, was it dishonorable or honorable? Well, I got an honorable discharge. I said, I said they didn't want to. She goes, but she goes, I, 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 I never, I, I never, I talked to all of them. I don't care if they were an officer or a colonel or whoever they were. I talked to them all the same way, and I didn't show anybody any respect. I looked at it. I said, how'd that work out for you? Same attitude. Unbelievably lazy. They'll steal from you in most cases when they're like that. They'll cheat you in most cases when they're like that because they're already doing that, aren't they? by not putting the time in for work and being on the telephone all the time. No one made you act politically correct. Nobody told you that you had to believe that a boy was a girl and a girl was a boy and that Joe Biden's not senile while he shakes his hands with people that don't exist on the platform, uh, unless he's seeing demons, I guess he'd be doing that. No one told you to be okay like that. Nobody told you to be politically correct. Nobody told you to believe the lie. You know, Jesus said it this way. He says, light has come into the world, but the world has preferred the darkness. Isn't that what a lot of people do? They prefer the darkness. They believe the lie. They act politically correct. They, they virtue signal. They drive their Prius in the left-hand lane, wearing a mask still to this day. And you wonder why well, COVID's been all gone for years. Masks don't work. Prius is basically, you know, still burn fuel, and they still have to be charged. Sometimes we even plug them in. But, you know, you're telling me you're a better person because you're going to drive 50 miles an hour in the fast lane because you're driving a Prius and you're going to virtue signal wearing your mask and block traffic. Who made you like that? Did somebody drop you on your head when you were a kid? Why do you think that's okay? That's not okay. Have you ever thought just maybe somebody behind you has a wife who's pregnant about to have a baby and they're trying to get to the hospital or to the midwife center and you're blocking the left-hand lane? How about somebody had a stroke at home and their parents or they're, they're trying to get them to the hospital or somebody's got an airplane to catch, but you're in your Prius, virtue signaling, making everybody wait for you because you don't want them to pass you. And you shake your fist in rebellious fashion when you see them go around you. Like, how dare you pass me in a Silverado diesel pickup truck at 80 miles an hour on the highway? Yeah, some of those people are just like that. No one, you, no one made you believe illegal immigrants we're not criminals in breaking the law. I'm going to stop here on this one. A lot of illegal immigrants who come over here, they weren't criminals in their own country. Now, a lot of them were, but a lot of them weren't. A lot of them are so tired of being with criminals, they want to get out of their country, and they want a chance to do something in another country that will give them opportunity like the United States. That's a fact. A lot of these illegal immigrants, they come over here and they get jobs, they work hard. And they try to be a protect, pr productive member of society because that's all they ever wanted to do. That's a fact. Some of them come over, like MS-13 gangs, and they come over here to rob, kill, steal, and destroy the stupid gringos who don't know any better, who like to walk around virtue signaling, thinking that they're all that, you know, driving a fancy car, and these guys are scoping you out, trying to see what they can steal from you. Yeah, we got those too, and we've done a whole bunch of that on this show, on this show this week. So just watch, go back and watch the reruns on this. No one made you believe that January the 6th was an armed insurrection, though I will say the Rothschild Synagogue of Satan media covered it like it was World War III in another civil war. It was not. A lot of paid provocateurs were in there that precipitated that. I talked about that again the last couple of days. You can watch that. No one made you believe that Christianity was always had, that always had to be nonviolent. Okay, Christianity is supposed to be nonviolent to the best of our ability, period. But at that point, let me stop and say this. If someone breaks into my home, come rob, kill, steal, and destroy, 
my family, my version of Christianity is going to defend itself. And it's going to get violent really fast. I'm just saying, because I mean, alpha males don't let their wives and children get assaulted in front of them and do nothing. They'll give their lives for that. Christianity basically was made nonviolent because of the Schofield Reference Bible and the Johnson Amendment, which we've talked about so much this week, to make Christians no longer getting involved in politics or in local elections, because everybody wants to believe we're getting raptured and nobody's going to do anything bad. Yeah, well, that's just not how, the Bible says that if it was not for the, these end times being cut short, nobody would survive, not even the elect. So let's, let's work through that. Let me stop here for a second. So I'm going to get letters on this again. I always do. There are many arguments to be made about a pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-tribulation rapture, and a post-tribulation rapture, and no rapture whatsoever. So here's the deal, and I'm going to say this. I would love for there to be a pre-tribulation rapture, but I don't think that's going to happen. That's my opinion. I would love to not have any conflict ever happen to anybody on this planet. If things go bad, we all get pulled up in the first load, and we get to sit in the heavenly grandstands. Now, here's the problem. Most Christians are going to sit up in the heavenly grandstands, and I've heard professors and, and preachers preach it this way, and they're going to watch what's happening on the planet while they applaud the rise of the Antichrist and the destruction of humanity. Number one, why would you want to see that? In fact, that's not what's going to happen in heaven. I'm just going to mention that to you real quick. And number two, why do you want that to happen? Shouldn't we try to get everybody saved first before anything happens like that, like another before the tribulation begins? Just, just mentioning that. And why do you want to give money to a fund to rebuild the third temple so they can start animal sacrifices again when Jesus was the permanent sacrifice for our sins. Why would you want to do that? Do you not, do you not understand what Christianity is? Jesus came here to die for us, to shed his blood. His blood creates an eternal energy field, the scalar fields through an omnipresent being, through an omnipotent being, that continually regenerates our DNA back to that of the Father to allow us to be compatible with God, to allow us to come boldly into the throne of grace. That's what Christianity is. It's, it's basically that we were no longer compatible with God because of sin, and God came and put Jesus between us so that we would no longer have to deal with that. He made the sin as far as the east is from the west. A couple of days I posted a video from my pastor Reich on, 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 online. Start at the 28-minute mark. It's on grace and what grace really, really is. It's this phenomenal video. It's the best I've ever heard on grace. But like I mentioned the other day, Paul says, should we continue to willfully sin after we receive the knowledge of, of the truth? And he says, by no means we died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Not that we're not going to sin. Not that we're not going to do things. We confess those sins and we repent and we realize that God is there for us all of the time. None of us are perfect. Nobody, after they get saved, is perfect. Nobody gets out like that. It doesn't work that way. It's by grace that we're saved through faith, through Jesus Christ. Always remember that. So never sit here and basically tell yourself that Christianity is supposed to be not involved. No one made you take out those student loans. Wow. You know, I have a friend of mine who um, had a kid, and he basically put this kid on his credit cards when the kid was like 15 years old and built this phenomenal phenomenal credit for this kid. The kid didn't do anything to make the credit. The kid had 800 beacon score. Well, the kid turned 18 years old, went out and bought a motorcycle because he had an 800 beacon score. Nobody made that kid buy the motorcycle. The motorcycle within 30 days was stolen. The kid basically didn't know what to do because he had no insurance on the motorcycle and decided not to make the payments to the bank. Before it was over, the kid ended up filing bankruptcy at the age of 19 years of age. 
No one made the kid borrow the money and buy the motorcycle. But how many kids are 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, and they do things like this? And they say, it's not my fault, the bank's fault, they loaned me the money. And they blame shift, it's sad. No one made you believe two planes brought down three towers. Mentioned that one already. No one made you believe that the Patriot Act would make you safer. The Patriot Act, back in 1932-33, when Hitler became chancellor in Germany, and the Reichstag building was burned, and Hitler declared himself Fuhrer, they, enabled, they put out what's called the Enabling Act. The Patriot Act that was written, that was 1,500 pages long, you know, after you know 9/11 happened, it basically was the exact same verbiage and the well, I can't say exact. It was very similar in its entire content to the Enabling Act that was used in Germany to make Hitler Führer, and so it was ready to go. You know, before the trade towers. I mean, who writes a 1,500-page paper overnight? That doesn't happen. <laughs> That's a team of guys and women probably who worked on that for days, if not weeks, if not months, if not years before all this happened. I could go into full detail with you what happened with 9-11, but I'm not going to do that on the show today because that would take a whole show. No, but no one made you believe the Patriot Act would make you safer. I had a basically a, a circuit court judge here locally in town. Good friend. He really is. And uh, he basically is Jewish, but he became a Christian. And when the Patriot Act got put into power and when Saddam Hussein was killed, he was all happy with glee, all excited. And I told him, I said, you know, Saddam Hussein wasn't involved in 9-11. Just thought I'd mention that. It doesn't matter. He's a tyrant. He needed to come out of power and they need to kill him. Well, I said, well, they hanged him. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm happy he's been hung. And I'm like, wait a minute. We're all Christians, right? He goes, yeah, well, you are. Right, that's right. I'm a Christian. I'm like, that's a pretty negative thing to hope for somebody else. I said, you know, Saddam Hussein had no weapons of mass destruction. It was all a lie. Cole and I, Cole and Pal and I were good friends. I've got multiple pictures of me and him on the wall back in the 90s. I didn't know that he was he was a member of the uh, you know the, uh, the, the, the the CFR Council on Foreign Relations back when I knew him, and I wasn't that familiar with all that stuff back in the 90s. But Colin was one of the nicest people I've ever met, and they straight George Bush W threw him under the bus with the uranium tubes and all the other stuff that he did in front of Congress and all of it. And, and then finally he you know he shifted and decided he's going to support Barack Obama. He had enough of it. Colin Powell was used like a tool to get us to go into Iraq. And uh, I believe to the day he died, he was probably upset with what happened to him. I don't know because I hadn't seen him in years. But it's sad this happened. But the Patriot Act was something that basically brought tyranny to the United States of America. 9-11 was the trigger. No one made you believe that not getting involved was a good idea. Go along to get along. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you heard a Christian say, I don't want to create waves. I don't want to be a problem. I'm not going to create a problem for anybody else. I'm just going to go along to get along. And they go through their entire life with their music still in them. You know, I think, I think, it was, I think it was Waldo said that. He said that you know, people, basically, they have their whole life. They could have written symphonies, and they don't do anything with their life. And when they die, their music is still in them. They never accomplish anything. They never do anything because they never reach out. The Bible says the kingdom of God has been advancing since the beginning of time, and the righteous take it by force. We've got to be willing to do what we know to do. We have to have, be willing to realize that, you know, getting involved is a good idea. Yeah, this week on Tuesday, we had a phenomenal show. Wednesday was great, too. 
And, and, you know, and I ask you guys, when we have a show that comes out that good, that strong, to send it to your friends. I know a lot of you don't want conflict. I got that. A lot of you don't even know who your neighbors are. A, a lot of you don't want to be involved with anything or anyone, but you want to be able to tell people the truth if you have an opportunity to, if you have a way to do it, not get in trouble. Just forward the show. What are they going to say? Well, I don't like that, Ted Brower. I'm okay with that. I get that all the time. I don't care. I'm going to tell you how I feel, and I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And sometimes, you know, if you don't like either one of those, you need to sit down and pray about that. Here he's on to say, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse what is believed, to, what, to refuse to believe what is true. That's by Soren Kierkegaard. I'll read it again. This is, I kind of butchered a little bit. There are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. You know, it's the truth, isn't it? I'm just going to stop here for one second. You guys all know what geoengineering is. There's so many patents on it, it's crazy. And I've posted several really good geoengineering videos online the last couple of weeks. And yet you'll sit there with people and you'll see the trails being laid out by these aircraft and they'll say, that's not real. That's just jet exhaust. Jet engines are very efficient. They don't put out plumes of smoke like that. They don't put out plumes of water vapor like that, except for very rare occasions, you'll have a contrail, but it'll dissipate within 500 feet to 1,000 feet behind the aircraft. It gets reabsorbed because it's like water vapor. But they don't want to believe the truth. Now, I've taken rainwater samples after heavy geoengineering twice and had them tested for barium and aluminum. I have the lab results posted on my website at healthmasters.com. And you think, well, I don't believe that's, that those lab results are real. You know, let me tell you a story. Years ago, I had a pastor friend of mine. In fact, it was the same guy that I spoke for in D.C. with uh, Coach Dalvin Meyer. He had a son. The son was pretty much the son's stupid. I, I, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, he's just stupid, okay? He's one of those kids that's just know-it-all gear. He's, he's another trust fund baby. And, and what happened is he had a child, and the pastor didn't believe in vaccines. And he asked me, can you please tell my son that this isn't okay? I don't want him to give my grandson, you know, 76 vaccines. And I said to him, I said, I can't make him not to make him listen. And he goes, well, can you send him literature? So I contacted the son and I said, if I send you some literature on vaccines, will you read it? He goes, yes. All right. So I sent him, I think, 357 articles. Is what if I remember right. It was a whole package on that. I mean, I sent it to them online. said, there's 357 articles of people who basically say that vaccines aren't safe for kids. And they cause all of these horrible side effects, including autism and Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's, autism and learning disabilities and brain damage. And about a week later, I called him up and I said, what do you think? And he goes, well, can you send me more articles? And I said, there is no way that you have read three, over 300 articles already. I want more articles. He hadn't read any of them. Well, then you find out it was his wife who wanted the vaccines, and he wasn't in charge of his own household. He was basically sitting there allowing his wife to do whatever she wanted to do whenever she wanted to do it, and he couldn't control her, so she was controlling him, and she was going to make sure that he ended up basically vaccinating the children and all the rest of it. I mean, it's unbelievable when you stop and think about that. And, and so, and I, and I, and I, and I, but here's the problem. The Bible talks about it. They forever see and they forever hear, but they don't stop and believe the truth. And finally, I said to him, I said, here's the thing. I said, I sent you over 300 articles. Some of them have 10 authors each. I said, there's like 3,000 different people cited here, individuals. Let me ask you a question. Are they all lying? 
most of these people are PhDs and MDs and people that have been trained in virology. Are they all lying about all of it? It's like 9-11. You have all of these eyewitnesses hearing multiple explosions. But they come and they tell people. people say, I don't, so all these people that are being telling you their testimony, what they saw and what they heard, they're all lying? And that's the problem with this is this guy basically thought that he could do whatever he wanted to do as far as from a vaccination standpoint with his newborn and that he wasn't going to have any ramifications from it. And so ask yourself a question. If I can give you hundreds of articles on how bad something is, does that mean every single author involved in this is lying and their research is invalid? Or are you going to follow the Rockefeller Rothschild petrochemical industry with the use of vaccines, which massively increases the profits of those organizations by believing their lie, saying that vaccines are safe? If the vaccines are safe, why has there been over $4 billion paid out in the vaccine relief fund for damaged children? If the vaccines are safe, why is $4 billion, I think it's $4.5 billion been paid out to all the damaged, brain-damaged children that from vaccines? Why is it safe? So ask yourself these questions. And finally, her coach says, open your eyes, look in the mirror, stop blaming others for your own gullibility. America is a mess, and it's our own fault. You guys, listen to me. Isn't that the truth? America is a mess, and it's our fault. Thank you for listening. I know this is more than a fireside chat. We didn't cover a lot of local news stories, that kind of stuff. But remember this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Prayer still changes things. When Jesus said on the cross, thousands of years ago it was finished it was finished you stand with god you stand with jesus all the days of your life and again thank you for supporting healthmasters.com supporting the ted nelson brother show i love you guys and i love praying for you guys you guys are the absolute best thank you my friends Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.